Wealth Attraction Research. Wealth Attraction Research. W-A-R. Forum Yo-Yo. Wealth Attraction Research. W-A-R. Forum Yo-Yo. You're listening to Wealth Attraction Research. Forum Yo-Yo. Presented by Hakeem Aliborkis Alexander on Spreaker Social Podcasting, Wisdom Social Audio Inc., and Colin Social Podcasting. Presented for World Reading Club in association with ExercisingYourMind.com and Uniquilibrium. This edition's reading focus comes to us from. The Little Book of Economics and How Money Works. This is a continuation in my self-study course um, where I'm consuming and producing at the same time for efficiency. And I just finished up with Chapter 11 of Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith, which usually I read all three of them in one go and usually under one hour or so. But Chapter 11 of uh, Wealth of Nations was so long and had three parts, and the third part had three parts in itself, and then there was a conclusion, so I'm doing them separately. This, however, is going to be the briefest of the three readings, and probably that's a good thing because they're the least exciting ones to me, but I'm going to do my best to uh, make sure that everything is as clear as possible as we go through this. So this title, Foreign Yo-Yo, just simply comes from the titles of both of the sections that I'll be reading. So in the little book of economics is the section called The Economy is a Yo-Yo, Boom and Bust, and in How Money Works, it's Foreign Exchange and Trading. So those are the two parts, of course, first starting once again with the a little book of economics because it should be a little bit more interesting or at least it is to me than uh, how money works so I'll save that for last because you know we trail off, we tend to trail off and lose our concentration at the end so it's good to save the, the stuff that's not as um, as exciting for the end or maybe it should be the other way right maybe if we look at that stuff first we'll retain it more but who knows and I'm not really sure that I'm willing to uh, try to figure that out right now because I have also after this Babylon's Banksters which is going to be a lot of fun but I'm going to take a break before I do that because I'm way ahead of schedule today so let's get this going so this is the little book of economics the economy is a yo-yo boom and bust from the little book of economics right in context the focus is the macro economy the key thinker is jean charles sismondi born 1773 died 1842 before his time oh look who they're mentioning again adam smith 1776 he argues that natural market forces create an economic equilibrium so that's what I just read uh, before previously was the uh, um, Wealth of Nations, which, by the way, reminds me, um, I'm going to take a few moments here to get the uh, 
here on the call-in for one, and then also some links to exercisingyourmind.com, which would be interesting. So I'm really glad about uh, Colin has these these uh, links I can put in here. So I put those, exercisingyourmind.com. And just because I want to share it, I'm going to also put the uh, book Babylon's Banksters in there because I'm going to be reading that next later on. Oh, so I got the science of getting rich. That'll go in there. Why not give everybody all the cool stuff, right? So over on Colin, you can get all those good books. A couple of them are online that you can read. So I got the science of getting rich. And where is where's the link to um, I want uh, to share Babylon's Bankster? Where is that link? And I don't uh, I don't see it. Did it did it really fall out here somewhere? Well, I know where I can get it. Um, I can actually find it in my text messages to myself. So let's take a look at that. Text messages. Let's copy that. Where we got? I got the signs of getting rich there. I also have the investor place. I don't know what that is. Um, come on. There we go. Babylon's Banksters. The PDF. Copy that text and put this into the call-in links so we can all have access to it. Um, what the hell? Why is that showing up like that? There we go. Babylon's Banksters. All right. Good. So those four links are in there now, and that should save. Let me take a look at my info here, and boom. Excellent. All of those are there. All right. So now we've got uh, this very boring thing. Hey, Maria, how you doing? And hello to Marcianne and Social Gatherings once again. All right, so the economy is a yo-yo, boom and bust. All right, so the focus is the macro economy. The key thinker is Jean-Charles Sismondi from 1773 to 1842. And uh, before that time of Sismondi, we have 1776. Adam Smith argues that natural market forces create an equilibrium. In 1803, Jean-Baptiste Say claims that the market will balance supply and demand naturally. Interestingly enough, uh, Say was mentioned in an article about the BRICS conference or BRICS summit that was held just a few days ago on August 22nd. It's now the 31st, so that was actually nine days ago. But um, it's so this is fascinating in that in today's economy, we still have Adam Smith being referenced in books from 2020 and beyond, right? And Jean Baptiste Say, 1803 still influential in the economy being mentioned in in major world events that are happening right now so this is a right track to be on here but uh, i continue i already did a reading of that previous um that article from actually was it was called uh kitco.com which is a precious metals site 
Um, you can go to kitco.com and you can read that article for yourself. It's also in the links here on um, Colin. So, yeah, so Maria, if you want to see the links, you have to click on the little eye with the circle and then you'll see the links there and you scroll to the, um, you just swipe on it and you'll be able to find them. So you don't see the links um, just in the chat. You've got to go to the little eye with the circle and then you hit that and you'll see the different books and links that are there. I'll actually put, add another link right now to that article. So I'm going to edit the room again here and put the link there. Let's see. I have, let's find that. Kitco, good. The bricks will break the dollar and usher in. Um, there's one. Boom. And I'll even put this second one that's in there that they reference in the article itself. So now both of those are on there and I'm going to save it. So now there's a bunch of links in the room. You don't have it on the PC platform? Well, um, that's going to have to wait then. I'll put them in the comments to this talk later, but I'm not going to do it right now. So if you're not on the mobile and you can't find it, uh, I'll put them in the comments later. Not the live chat, because the live chat doesn't show up as efficiently as the comments do out there with the comments, they will just sit there. But unfortunately, the comments aren't available right now. So, all right. So, oh, 1817, Welsh social reformer Robert Owen identifies overproduction and underconsumption as causes of economic turn, downturns. As a matter of fact, I want to see what they're talking about. I'm going to look at the article since I put the link in here. What does, what do they reference Jean-Baptiste I just got kicked out of my own room just trying to look at some articles. All right, let's see what John Baptiste say is mentioned. In, what the hell? All right, so that's crazy. So now I'm trying to look at my links and it keeps crashing. I'm going to try that one more time. If it crashes one more time in me, one swipe, two swipes, three swipes. my clip tray here you're not going to keep me down internet go all right so i'm going to find where he talks about kitco here all right so let me just check and make sure on colin i still have audio okay so in this this link from kitco.com it's uh called bricks will break the dollar and usher a return to gold from the mrs or Mises Institute, right? So um, 
so yeah, there's a quote here from a guy named uh, uh, Patrick Barron. He says, although the coming change may be characterized as one between the Western democracies and the BRICS nations, the real battle is one of ideas. Between Keynesian economic theory and gold, he writes, the winner will be gold. Barron argues that even with the end of Bretton Woods in 1971, gold has never actually been proven inferior to fiat. The gold standard was not replaced by a better monetary system, he says. You know what? I think that's kind of actually a bunch of BS, simply because of the fact that Kitco is a gold site that I go to for looking at precious metals. And of course, they're going to have a vested interest in talking about that, that gold is a better monetary system, which is crap. The best monetary system is the produce of the land and the labor of, the, the, of mankind. But uh, whatever they say, it's all fiat currency. Gold is not actually real money. Everybody tries to say that, and they try to say gold is God's money and all this sort of stuff. It's BS. Um, because you can't eat it, right? Uh, what's If you look at the, the use value or exchange value of things, which are the two ways you should value things, can you eat gold? Can you drink it and it, it nourish and satisfy your body? No. So it's bullshit. Um, water has a very high use value, but unfortunately, we don't give it a very high exchange value unless you're like in a movie like, uh, I don't know, Mad Max in which water is scarce and you're running around protecting tankers full of it with armed guards. But that shows a clear example of how valuable water actually is in reality. Uh, but let's take a look before I get too far off here. He says, um, the gold standard was not replaced by a better monetary system, he says. It was suppressed in stages to satisfy the state's insatiable need for money, first to make war and then to corrupt the people via welfare. The result, of course, has been never-ending wars, a creeping expansion of the welfare state, unsustainable public deficits, and the accelerating debasement of the currency. Well, uh, you know what? That has nothing to do with the state. That has to do with private banks. So they're a little bit off here. And... Um, but he makes some good points. He points out that the debasement of the fiat dollar has lowered its purchasing power to gold by 98% since 1971, true, which is, but still doesn't make any sense because they're both fake money. Gold and dollars and any other issued currency are not real wealth. Um, and says that the sanctions against Russia following the invasion of Ukraine, including the freezing of Russian-owned assets and their banning from the dollar-based SWIFT interbank settlement system, has accelerated the shift toward alternative system. Introducing gold into the trading system will expose the main fallacy of Keynesian economics, the ele elevation of aggregate demand to prominence in a nation's economy rather than production, the only means of satisfying the demand in the first place. Right. Well, I mean, he's they're hitting it on the head here. Um, that production or the produce of land is the only means of satisfying the demand in the first place. You have to produce things in order to satisfy demand. But he continues. Keynes elevated the concept of aggregate demand over production, while Jean-Baptiste Say shows that production is required in order to enjoy the benefits of, of, of consumption. Sorry. Uh, Jean-Baptiste Say shows that production is required in order to enjoy the benefits of consumption. Well, um, Say is the key thinker. Well, um, Jean-Charles Sismondi is the key thinker in this section of the yo-yo economy boom and bust. 
but they do mention Jean-Baptiste Say, who claims that the market will balance supply and demand naturally. Here in this article um, on Kitco, saying that uh, Jean-Baptiste Say shows that production is required in order to enjoy the benefits of consumption. He writes that this rather upside-down theory appealed to politicians because it gave them carte blanche to spend all with money created out of thin air by the central bank. Oh, there you go. Now he's hitting on the truth there. All right, so anyway, that article is um, a reading I did on uh, Colin. Also, the links to it are on Colin as well. But now back to uh, reading the main thing. What's uh, what do you say, Maria? Um, I'm not especially familiar with French writers, figures in history outside the French Revolution. It was replaced by the Petrodollar. Well, the Bretton Woods Agreement was uh, the Petrodollar. Um, when money was put on the Petrodollar, and in 1971, gold standard. There's a little tricky wording in here, but yeah, the Petrodollar was the Bretton Woods Agreement. So, you see, the end of the Bretton Woods in 1971, right? Even with the end of Bretton Woods in 1971, gold has never actually been proven inferior to fiat. You know what? Now you got me wanting to look over here with your comments, Maria, to see what's going on here. I'm going to look up Bretton Woods Agreement just to get a little summary. I'm sure that I'm sure that wonderful Googles will probably take you to amazing Wikipedia um, and give us uh, uh, the lowdown. Here we go. Bretton Woods. Uh, what? What the hell is this? I said Bretton Woods, not a baseball player named Bretton Maher. How did that happen? Let's try this again. Bretton Woods Agreement. All right, there we go. Bretton Woods Agreement and the institutions it created explained by James Chen, or actually it would be pronounced Chun, C-H-E-N, if we're looking at the real... Chinese pronunciation of it. This is March 21st, 2022. Okay, what was the Bretton Woods Agreement and System? The Bretton Woods Agreement was negotiated in July 4th, 1944 by delegates from 44 countries at the United Nations Monetary and Financial Conference held in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, thus the name Bretton Woods Agreement. Under the Bretton Woods System, gold was the basis for the U.S. dollar and other currencies were pegged to the U.S. dollar value, U.S. dollar's value. The Bretton Woods system effectively, effectively came to an end in the early 1970s when President Richard M. Nixon announced that the U.S. would no longer exchange gold for U.S. currency. All right, so what the hell? All right, so the Bretton Woods Agreement, da, 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 um, Bretton Woods Agreement and System Explained. So approximately 730 delegates representing 44 countries met in Bretton Woods in July 1944 with the principal goals of creating an efficient foreign exchange system, preventing competitive devaluations of currencies and promoting international economic growth. The Bretton Woods Agreement and System were central to these goals. The Bretton Woods Agreement also created two important organizations, the International Monetary Fund, and the World Bank. While the Bretton Woods system was dissolved in the 1970s, both the IMF and the World Bank have remained strong pillars for the exchange of international currencies. 
What have we here? All right, I'm going to have to do a little unplugging for a second. Hold on. We got uh, Megan Larson. Hold on, Megan. All right. All right, Megan. It's going to be a little bit more noisy in here for a moment, but uh, that's because I got to take you off of the... Um... All right, Megan. Let's hear what you got, sister. Hello. Hi. Hello. How you doing? Um, okay. So, what have you to say so, about uh, bricks and the Bretton Woods and this foreign yo-yo exchange stuff going on here? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, that's um, not something I expected. Say that again? It's not what I expected. What's not what you expected? I better leave. Excuse me, say that again? Better leave. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm not understanding what you're saying. I'm nervous. So. Oh, okay, so... Um, that's fine. You can be as nervous as you want, but I'm just asking what, did you have some comments about um, either foreign exchange, the boom and bust in the economy, the Bretton Woods agreement, anything like that? I don't know anything about those. Okay. Well, um, mm. are you aware that um, Brazil, Russia, mm. India, China, and South Africa met on the 22nd of August in South Africa? to talk about um, changing up how the monetary system in the world is working? No. Yeah, well, that's uh, what's going on. They're talking about uh, by next year, deciding whether or not they're going to go back on a gold standard, meaning our money is going to be backed up by gold, something which is still uh, just as ridiculous as anything else, um, as paper money. It's, it's still stupid, but they're trying to take it off the United States dollar and change the way that goods are traded and exchanged and, and bought and sold in the world. Oh. Is America aware of it? I think that they I got, are. I got a, I got a they are? Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty big. It's in the news. That's why I just read an article from the American media just now. But I'm going to continue to do that, uh, Megan. I appreciate you joining me. Um, I'm going to let you down for a moment so I can continue this. All right. Yeah. Bye. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. All right. So I'm going to plug back in my headset over here on Wisdom because that gets me a clearer um, sound. Let's see if that works. All right. Oh, boy. There we go. Well, at least I think it's clear. There's, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on with uh, the audio here. So, okay. All right. So, uh, Maria, let's see what comments you had here before I go. You said uh, they removed the gold standard because folks wanted to call back gold with their dollars and the U.S. didn't have enough in panic and admitted Iran, Saudi Arabia, and UAE, which, and which African nation? South Africa is, is already in there. Uh, South Africa is one of the original BRICS nations, and Argentina. Yeah, a lot of countries are trying to be admitted into it. Um, 
right now. That's the whole deal. So, all right. So checking it, let's say we got um, Welch, Social Reformer, 1817. So we just read some stuff from, from John Baptiste Say from that article from uh, on uh, Kitco, which is the one of the gold sites that I look at for the price of gold and silver, precious metals and their exchange and all that stuff like that, um, which are ridiculous as currencies, by the way, folks. They have... They have, they're, they're not real wealth. Gold and silver are not real wealth. Everybody is, is, is fooled by that. It's a really stupid idea. Um, gold and silver are not real wealth. You could, any, any other metal is just as important as gold and silver. Trust on that. Any other metal is just as important as gold and silver. They just have different uses. Gold and silver mainly connected to the hierarchies, the religious, the royalty. Remember, ancient cultures uh, who had empires, their leaders, their rulers were said to have their power as rulers because they were direct descendants of gods and deities and things like that. And so wearing all this ornamentation and things like that, just like how I was reading in Wealth of Nations earlier, there were laws and regulations that restricted people from having certain things. So people couldn't wear gold, couldn't wear silver. Even in China, they couldn't wear certain colors like yellow or red because those were colors that were restricted to royalty. In Great Britain, in the United Kingdom, they were restricted from wearing a certain clothes that cost a certain amount of money because how dare the peasants dress like the mighty wealthy, right? And so it's the same thing with gold and silver. It's restrictions. It's to make it seem scarce and all these other things is all by violence and artifice. It's all fake. And so it's not real. It's not real money. And as a currency, it's not real money. As a currency, they still function in meaning exchange engaged. No, they don't, Maria. It's false. They gauge that. It's arbitrary. They say that it does. It doesn't. You can do that with anything. You can do it with seashells. You can gauge any kind of metal. You can use any metal at all as a currency. You can use copper. You can use things that come out of the ground that are much easier to get. You can use quartz and you can fashion quartz into any shape you want and stamp things on it and make it all pretty and things like that. Just like dollars, gold and silver are not any better than paper money. They really aren't. People say that and it's a brainwash game. It's a big brainwash scandal. Yes, you can say as a currency, they still function as a medium of exchange and gauge value. Yeah, anything can function as a medium of exchange and gauge value. You can use a turnip for that, right? You can use anything that you can control the weight of it and mold it into things that's durable. Copper, right? Aluminum, any other metal that's durable and can retain its shape and size and you can get standard weights for anything can function as a medium of exchange and gauge value. It's just that arbitrarily gold and silver has been noted as that and has have been falsely said that they're they're difficult to mine. I mean, look, maybe silver, for example, right, um, comes mixed up with other metals and things like that, and you have to separate it by by a, a difficult process. Gold, you can sift it with a little bit of mercury and very easy processes. Even diamonds nowadays, you can make them in laboratories, right? So these things are not special, and they never were. For any reason other than arbitrary that's linked back to ancient religions and ancient societies and gods and goddesses who the kings and queens were said to be descendants of and they decided that that's how they were going to make it as a medium of exchange 
because all you need to make money in medium exchange is for it to be durable and to be able to make certain standard weights of it. And you can do that of pennies or like that. What about making big ass pennies? What if you just made all the money out of copper of different sizes or even the same size just stamped, right? Pressed, molded with different with different currents, with different amounts on it. It would amount to the same thing, just like dollar bills, right? Dollars are the same exact size and color, just have different numbers on it for different value. Gold and silver should have no more um, uh, priority than any of the other metals or anything like that. You can't give a real reason why. There's no true, actual reason why. The, the, the things that make anything valuable are whether they're worth something in technology, whether they have utility, beauty, and then scarcity is an artificial one. And then also, who the hell says something is beautiful? That's that's objective. So beauty and scarcity can take them out of the picture. Technolo- technology and utility, those are the things that are important. But beyond that, the most thing, the, the use and exchange value are the most important things that, that any commodity or any money should have. Again, water. Right? Diamonds were never particularly good. They're, they're still never scarce. That was a very effective De Beers marketing scheme. Yes, and it's still this, and it's the same exact thing with gold and silver, Maria. Gold and silver are not particularly scarce, scarce either. Um, and they, it, it never was. Maybe to some primitive peoples and things like that, but still, the scarcity is, is done by artifice and violence. Two terms that I decided to put together because of the. Uh, the writings of Mr. Adam Smith, who pointed it out very clearly and in no uncertain terms, right? But again, um, what's, what is uh, what is real wealth? Well, the real, the real quality of subsistence which it would purchase or command, right? Which is the produce of the land and the labor of mankind, right? Because all that gold and silver is, is is a quantity which is is representative or expressed for something. It's not real money. Okay, Marie, you're talking about gold is invaluable in terms of nanoparticles because of its conductive part, properties. So many other things are better conductive than gold and can be made into nanoparticles. You're talking about modern times. We, we want to talk about the origin of money and where it actually came from. That's that, that's a completely different story. It's, it's arbitrary, but I get what you're saying. Like none of the things you're saying are not true. It has value, and it, but it's but for reasons long before any of those things were available technologically, and it has to do with ruling classes and putting something in the way of the actual valuable things. That's all that those anything that gets in the way of the actual exchange of anything is a problem. And they were doing it with clay tablets before, right? So you can, I go up to you, you have some some wheat. I have cows, but my cow's not fully grown yet. So I give you a clay tablet that's an IOU that says, hey, you can bring me back in the, you know, in the fall when my cow is full grown, bring this tablet to remind me that I owe you this cow. You come and I mark it on my own that I have to hold a cow for you. And then you come back in the in the fall when you show me the tablet and I bring it and I match it up with the tablet that I have and say, oh, yeah, I owe you a cow. Here you go. That's money because you just brought me something and got a cow for it. 
That's the simplest way that it is right there. That's, that's exactly what we do with money. We bring people this thing, this paper, this gold, whatever it is, and then they give us something for it that we want in exchange. It's exchange value is a thing of what this is all, all about. Right? Yeah. And so, but that's really what it, what it comes down to, bartering. Is it's really you bartering your time and your, your life and your energy away at work so you can get those things, right? Because your, your work produces something, presumably, the work that you do. And so the work that you do produces something. And so whatever you produce with your work, that's why your, your employer gives you money. Because let's say you work at a, let's just say you work at a, um, a wheat factory, right? And, and, or a wheat farm. Right. And you're employed by somebody who who is the person who has like the machines to cut the wheat. Right. So you use that machine, you cut the wheat, people and you bundle it up and you put it together. And now you have this bushel of wheat that you that can then be exchanged for cows. Well, instead of you having to carry that wheat to the guy with the cows to get the, the money or even to get the cows from right? because maybe you don't want a cow. You get the, the money from your employer, let's say clay tablets once again, or whatever the hell it is, it could be silver coins, gold coins, whatever. And then you have that so that you can later then, when you want to, go get a cow or even a piece of a cow from a butcher because maybe you don't want the whole cow. Or you can go get something else with the clay tablet because it says that it's worth a certain amount of something. It's all about just having something standardized, right, to express and represent value. And it can be anything. And that's why dollar bills did that. But that's another false value because even even the silver and gold in older days had more had more pure silver and gold in it than things like from what Adam Smith was talking about, that something like 12, 12 pieces of silver back then were worth twenty four of the silver in in seventeen seventy three when he was writing the book. Right? So it had so in the old times it had twice as much silver in the coins as did at the time he was writing and that's the same thing with money they can print all the dollar bills that they want and put into circulation but it doesn't have anything to actually back it that's the problem it's debasing but let's continue uh, the reading because i went now it's been 34 minutes which is way longer than i thought i was going to be here but i do appreciate you coming in uh, and sharing because you made Give me some other things to think about and fuss about, which is fun. So, um, all right, so we continue here. We got, uh, uh, so Welsh social reformer, 1817, Robert Owen, identifies overproduction and underconsumption as causes of economic downturns. After, in the 1820s, French economist Charles Dunoyer, or Dunoyer, identifies the cyclical nature of the economy. Interesting. Because the foundation for the study of cycles by this guy named Dewey, uh, they actually showed um, alignments with like planetary alignments and things like that, basically an astrology of economy. All right, that's very interesting. So we have French economist Charles de Noyer identifies the cyclic nature of the economy. In 1936, John Maynard Keene urges governments to spend in order to avoid economic fluctuations. This is so funny. This, this That Kitco article might as well have been written um, based off of this economy as a yo-yo uh, boom and bust article in 
uh, the little book of economics. They, they mention both of those people and more. John Baptiste Say, John Maynard Keynes. Interesting. All right, let's continue to the article though here and see what it has to say. Business cycles are the shift between strong economic growth, described as a boom or expansion period, and periods of economic decline or stagnation. They are often referred to as cycles of boom and bust. The Swiss historian Jean-Charles Sismondi was the first to identify the occurrence of periodic economic crises. But it was the work of a later economist, the Frenchman Charles de Noyer, 1786-1862, who revealed their cyclical form. Sismondi challenged the market-knows-best orthodoxy of Adam Smith, Jean-Baptiste Say, and David Ricardo. They believe that if the market is left to its own devices, an economic equilibrium is quickly and easily achieved, leading to full employment. Sismondi thought a sort of equilibrium would eventually be reached, but only after a frightful amount of suffering. Before Sismondi published his New Principles of Political Economy in 1819, economists had either overlooked short-term economic booms and busts or had attributed them to external events, such as war. Sismondi showed that short-term economic movements are due to the natural result of market forces, overproduction, and underconsumption, caused by growing inequality during booms. Hmm. Little picture here of some buildings. I don't know where the hell that is, but it says skyscrapers are often built during times of excessive optimism, a sure sign that the economy is overheating. By the time they are finished, the economy has often crashed. Right, so it's like a getting a heart on and then having an orgasm and then getting flaccid. Is that what they're saying? Skyscrapers? That's what it looks like. Like, oh, we're all happy. I'm horny. Let's build skyscrapers. All right, so let's take a look here. So now we got uh, another little flow chart. In boom times, companies have high profits. They increase production to satisfy demand for goods, right? Because that's why they have high profits, because people want, 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 want. They're consuming. This leads to excess supply. Companies cut prices to compete for customers, right, to get rid of that supply. Then, leading to lower profits, layoffs, and economic depression. Eventually, lower prices lead to an increase in demand and profits go back up. The economy is a yo-yo. All right. Fueling the boom. As economies grow and businesses do well, workers are able to demand wage increases and buy more of the goods they produce. This fuels the economy's boom. As more and more goods are sold, companies expand. You see, this is exactly why one of the foundations of what wealth actually is, is the labor of mankind. You see what's happening here and how separate people have gotten from it? Listen to what this just said. As more and more goods are sold, companies expand hiring more workers to produce more goods. The new workers then have money to buy the goods, to buy goods, and the boom continues, right? But what has it said before? Let's look at this. Workers are able, like, as economies grow and businesses do well, workers are able to demand wage increases and buy more of the goods they produce. Now, this could be well read a couple ways, right? As economies grow and businesses do well, I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally reading this incorrectly, but it's also another correct way of reading it. Listen to this. As economies grow and businesses do well, 
workers in those businesses are able to demand wage increases and buy more of the goods they themselves have produced. You see that? They're basically producing, making things that they're going to consume. That's it. But it's just, but that's exactly what's really happening. People are just doing their labor. It doesn't matter if you're laboring in a toy company and someone is laboring in a pillow company. If somebody else labors in a pillow company and you need a pillow and they need a toy, guess what? Even if you guys never meet each other, the dollars that you get, right, so that one can buy the toy and one can buy the pillow, it's the same thing as if you walked up to each other and did it, except it's just a medium of exchange. A medium of exchange. All right. So, all right. But it sounds like it could easily dissolve back to serfdom where labor is owned by the elite. No, not quite. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, anything's possible. As economies grow and businesses do well, workers are able to demand wage increases and buy more of the goods they produce. This fuels the economy's boom. As more and more goods are sold, companies expand, hiring more workers to produce more goods. I mean, really, it sounds like it could easily dissolve back to serfdom where labor is owned by the elite. It already is. What do you think owning labor means? It means being employed. Having an, employ an employer owns labor. <laughs> <laughs> it's been that way. Yeah, I'm glad you, you understand that. What? All right, competition means that all companies will increase production until supply outstrips demand, Sismondi argued. Competition means that all companies will increase production until supply outstrips demand, Sismondi argued. This forces companies to cut prices in order to attract customers, triggering falling profits, falling wages, and layoffs among the workforce. In other words, an economic crash followed by a recession. Companies begin to recover once prices become cheap enough to stimulate demand and credit becomes more available, starting the cycle all over again. As an early crisis that confirmed these economic cycles was the Panic of 1825. This stock market crash was one of the first documented crises caused solely by internal economic events. It was precipitated by speculative investments in Poyais, a fictional country invented by a con man to attract investments. And the repercussions were felt in markets across the world. How the fuck? You kidding me? This guy just made up a country <laughs> and crashed the market. Reminds me of that that uh, that equation that uh, David X Lee created that that caused the uh, market crash in two thousand and eight. It was just some fictional shit. All right, an early crisis that confirmed these economic cycles was the panic of 1825. This stock market crash was one of the first documented crises caused solely by internal economic events. It was precipitated by speculative investments in Poyais, a fictional country invented by a con man to attract investments, and the repercussions were felt in markets across the world. Why don't they... Who's this guy? Who, 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 what, what's his name? I want to know who that dude was. 
It's probably somebody like famous, part of a famous family. They don't want to put the name in here. It's like revealed something like that. That's I'm, I'm pretty sure. Unless they tell me his name, I'm, that's what I'm going to believe. I'm going to be conspiracy theorized in that direction. Sismondi argued against the laissez-faire approach of Adam Smith and claimed that government intervention is necessary to regulate the progress of wealth and avoid these periodic crises. No, it doesn't help. Not totally agree with Adam Smith, even though I like his book, but I don't think that that uh, government intervention does anything to avoid the periodic crises. If anything, they want that to happen. It's control. The discovery of these cycles enabled economists to analyze the economy in a new way and to devise strategies for trying to avoid crashes and recessions. Keynes built on Sismondi's and de Neuer's work to develop his own theories, which were to make up one of the world's dominant economic approaches in the 20th century. Keynes built on Sismondi's and de Neuer's work to develop his own theories, which were to make up one of the world's dominant economic approaches in the 20th century. Ah, so I can be an economist, if I just freaking speculate on things that are better than what these idiots are putting out there and destroying the whole world. Okay, that's what I'm going to, well, that's what I'm writing my PhD thesis on now. I've confirmed it and I can move forward. PhD is going to be on the, something like the metaphysics of, of money. Actually, I'm going to reveal one of the names that's going to be in one of the sections in my thesis in a little bit here when I come back on because ha ha ha, tricky, funny name. You know, I like to make up my own words and stuff like that. All words are made up. All right, bull and bear markets. This is a, oh, what is that? Oh, yeah, good. It's the final one. It's the end of this book. Bull and bear markets. And what is Maria saying over here? Uh, Snickle Fitz Von Fiddy Bridges. But not all employers are like that. One of many reasons I work for a nonprofit. You know, nonprofit. I, I get it. Bull and bear markets. As whole economies grow and contract, markets within them rise and fall. Markets that show sustained price rises are sometimes known as bull markets, and those which prices are falling as bear markets. These labels are usually applied to assets such as shares, bonds, or houses. Bull markets, for example, a rising stock market, often occur during periods of economic growth. Bull markets, for example, a rising stock market often occur during periods of economic growth. Investors become more optimistic about economic prospects and buy shares in companies, fueling rising asset value. I don't understand. Like the more and more I'm reading about economics, the, the stupider and stupider it looks. It's like like when when they say things like this, like investors become more optimistic about economic prospects and buy shares in companies, fueling rising. It's all just manipulate. It's all just stupid. It's like I'm like floating outside of my body or something like that. It's it's so dumb. It doesn't look any different for me now any more than lottery tickets, casinos, uh, strip clubs, and uh, credit cards. It just all looks ridiculous, like idiotic. Um, as the economy falters, 
we what, what investors become more optimistic about economic prospects and buy shares in companies fueling rising asset values. As the economy falters, the process goes into reverse. Investors become bearish and start to sell assets as the market falls. U.S. stocks were in a bull market in the 1990s with the dot-com boom. A major bear market took place during the Great Depression of the 1930s. I mean, all this really is is just, just having a scope. I'm going to write a word down real quick. And then that, so that was the end of the little book of economics in the section called uh, The Economy is a Yo-Yo, Boom and Bust. I mean, all of this stuff should be telling us something very clearly um, right now. Um, and I'm writing down what I think might be in a novel word and uh, or two of them. And I'm going to present them in my next talk here. Okay. Finally, I get to finish off here with uh, the How Money Works, the most boring of the books that I had to read, but I'm forcing myself to read them from cover to cover and record my learning process because, you know, that's going to put me ahead of like 99% of the people who actually study economics in, in universities because they hardly ever read any books cover to cover and cover all the material inside them because they just don't have time for it. I do. Okay. And that's just not part of the lesson plan. And I'm obsessed with power over myself. Foreign exchange and trading. That's from the uh, How Money Works. Known as Forex, foreign exchange and trading refers to the buying and selling of currencies. This trading of currencies can occur between banks, financial institutions, governments, and individuals. This, this actually is very relevant to, to what we've been reading. With, uh, boom and bust, the economy is a yo-yo, and all the stuff with Keynes and Say, and uh, it's related to the article um, uh, that I read on Kitco.com about uh, BRICS um, and the U.S. dollar, which because they mentioned both Keynes and Say in the article, right? Um, Investopedia. Investopedia.com has Bretton Woods on here, which I still didn't finish reading, but also uh, let me just get back to finishing up this here. So get Forex Profit and Loss. A trader wants to sell some UK pound sterling, GBP, and buy euros, EUR, because they think that the value of the pound is going to fall against the euro. Okay, so they're selling pound sterling. Euro, so they because they think that the that the value of the pound is going to fall against the euro. I mean, this is just all just fucking manipulation. The more I look at this shit, it's just insane. It's just so stupid. But not so stupid that I'm not going to get involved in it. It's just that it, it's just it's just so clear now that it's just all a game. It's just all a stupid game. A very 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 stupid game. It's sad. This is really no better. It's like, I mean, Monopoly. This is a card game. This is a board game. Just in the language. I mean, these are professional economists, right? Compiling together to write these books and just laying it straight out. Like, a trader wants to sell some UK pound sterling. 
and buy euros because they think that the value of the pound is going to fall against the euro. If their prediction is right, they can sell the euros for a profit. But if their prediction is wrong, they will take a loss when they sell. Investors who wish to speculate on the forex market may use a forex broker and give them a deposit or borrow money, known as a margin, from them to buy currency. Or you can just go to the airport and do it on your own. That's what I, I, I did. I made a bunch of money exchanging currencies at the airport. Can be done. All right. Like, for example, if you bought some Chinese yuan in China when it's lower in value and then sold it now and it's higher in value, you get more dollars for than you paid for it to get it when you're in China back then. Just as an example. Okay. Warning. Forex markets usually trade on small differences. For example, the U.S. dollar to euro rate exchanging by a few cents. So sudden shocks can catch investors unprepared. On January 15, 2015, the Swiss National Bank unexpectedly announced that it would no longer hold the Swiss franc at a fixed exchange rate with the euro. This caused panic in the Forex market markets. At one point on that day, the Swiss franc rose by 30% against the euro and 25% against the U.S. dollar. Listen, I mean, listen to the words that's being used in two different books. This caused panic in the forex market. It's, like, it's, 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 it's silly. It's really freaking silly. It's starting to make, um, I don't know if I'm going to cry, laugh, or just die. It's stupid as shit. All right, so number one, we have Forex Investor A. Investor A looks at the price of the two currencies on the Forex market, the euro and the, the pound. It's trading at pound 79 to buy 77 euro to sell, right? Okay. Two, Investor A thinks this is a good price and decides to trade, borrowing 79,000 pounds to do so. Three, currency trading, buying at 79... 79th of a pound for each one euro, selling, you know, the euro at 77.77 to one euro. What the hell? All right. Investor A buys 100,000 euro for 79,000 pounds from investor B. They do this via a currency brokerage, which charges them both a commission. So they're both losing money there again, right? Middleman shit once again. All right. How it works. Okay, well, I'm not done yet. Number four, sterling falls against euro. Now selling price of the pound is 81 to each euro. So investor A sees that the price to sell the euro per pound is now pounds 81 is 0.081 or 0 0.81. So she sells her stake to investor C for 81,000, making a profit of 2,000 pounds by taking advantage of small price differences after paying commission to the broker, right? Garbage, bunch of nonsense. Or outcome that's outcome A. Outcome B is sterling rises against euro. Now selling price is is uh 0.76 pounds to each one euro, right? Before it was uh 0.79, right? Investor A sees that the price to sell the euro 
is now 0.76 pounds and decides to sell her euros to investor C for 76,000 pounds before the rates slide any lower, making a loss of 3,000 pounds. She still has to pay commission to the broker, even though she lost money on the trade. Oh, and by the way, they borrowed that money, so they still they lost a lot more because now they have to pay back to where they borrowed it from, probably at interest. Debt money. That's all. That, that's what that speculating crap does, right? All right, so how it works. The Forex market provides a service to individuals, businesses, and governments who need to buy or sell currencies other than that used in their currency, in their country, that is. The Forex market provides a service to individuals, businesses, and governments who need to buy or sell currencies other than that used in their country. This might be in order to travel abroad, to make investments in another country, or to pay for import products or convert export earnings. It is also a marketplace in which currencies are bought and sold purely to make profit via speculation. Gambling. When trading very large volumes of currency, even small fluctuations in price can have profits or losses. The Forex market is open 24 hours, five days a week, which makes it unusual as equity markets have set daily trading hours and are closed overnight. Did you know that... 10% is the drop in value of the United of the United Kingdom's pound against the US dollar the morning after the Brexit vote vote. So it dropped 10% compared to the US dollar the morning after the Brexit vote. Yeah, well, I mean you figure stuff like that would happen, right? Why would it not happen? This were all the pawns. We're all the pawns. That's why uh, Magito told him in uh, X-Men 3, the pawns go first. All right. So now we got uh, next. Need to know is the end. Need to know. Currency pair. Two currencies that are being traded, for example, the U.S. dollar and the euro. Spread. The difference between the price at which one of a currency pair is sold and the price at which it can be bought Spreads change depending on the liquidity of the markets and the demand for the currencies being traded. Right? That's obvious. Leverage. The option for individuals to trade higher values of currency than the cash in their Forex account would cover. They have an option to tr for individuals to trade higher values of currency than the cash in their Forex account would cover. Why would you want to do that? Stop loss. An order placed with a broker to sell a currency once it reaches a certain price to limit the losses investors experience when the market moves against them. Yep. And a margin call is a request from a forex broker for an investor to increase their deposit as the value of their investment has fallen below a certain point. That's the foreign exchange and trading section of this here. Um, okay, I see Sebastian over on Wisdom. I'm going to take you up here in a second. Let me uh, change my microphone situation. And what, sir, have you to add to this talk about yo-yo economies and foreign exchange and BRICS and all this other nonsense going on in the world? All right. Well, it seems that uh, you have left the talk, sir. Maybe that was a glitch in the matrix. You can come up again if you want to. If not, I am shutting it down because I'm done with this. And I've got to read Babylon's Banksters, which is way more exciting 
than the stuff that I've read. Because you know why? Because it's conspiracy theorist stuff. And it's fun. All right, let me plug this back in here. All right, well, that's it. I'm going to take a break. I'm way ahead of schedule, so I've gotten to read a lot more than I thought I would today. Um, uh, well, love this. Why do you want me to put, put myself on camera all the time? Huh? What's, what's, the, what's the deal? Here, I'll show you my face. Where, where, where's my camera? There we go. See? Hello. See that? Now you see me. All right. So. Now it's time to, to shut this down, though, because, um, all right, so where am I? Oh, yeah, World Reading Club. All right, those of you on Wisdom, hello. Thank you either for passing through or uh, sitting a spell. I much appreciated. Uh, Sebastian, Julie, Julie, hello, hello. Thanks for the uh, emotes sent up. Christina, Losi, Simon, Airy, Cecilia, Grace, hello. Um, actually, this would be fun. Let's take a look at the, the listeners list over here. Let's do this. Let's see if I can. All right, these are the folks on, on Wisdom here. So we got Sebastian, um, Truly Julie, uh, Christina Losi. Thank you. Simon Airy. Hey, Cecilia Grace, what's up? Good to see you here. Reggie Wood Woodson, uh, Dak Frederick, uh, Mr. Two Extra, what's up, brother? Marcy Ann, uh, Megan Larson. Lindsay McKay, hello. Uh, Amos, how you doing? Lexi Skaggs, uh, Midnight Rain, that's a cool name. Uh, Cass, intuitive speaker, and Miranda Dehan and Terry, and social gatherings. Thank you either for passing through or sitting a spell. It's much appreciated for you coming through and listening, but now it's time to go. You've been listening to Wealth Attraction Research, WAR, War. Foreign Yo-Yo, Exercising Your Mind, presented by Hakeem Alibokas Alexander on Spreaker, Social Podcasting, Wisdom, Social Audio Inc., and All In, Social Podcasting, presented for World Reading Club in association with ExercisingYourMind.com and Equilibrium. Coming up next is going to be, after I take a break, Babylon's Banksters going to be the next chapter in that story is getting the clock ticking. I shall return. Thanks to uh, Maria and John for sitting a spell as well and um, whoever else passed through. Derek I saw there and um, this ZZXCCCCVVV uh, non-existent person. All right. Stay well, y'all.